Oh, oh geez. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Here we are. Here we are. Okay, I can start us off this week, if you'd like. Do it. I okay, do I like. don't. I don't yet have this formed into a uh, get rid of thing, but um, you know, I just uh, there'll be. I'll find a way. Um, one thing that is related to to this thing I'm about to say is something that I am so excited to bring back. So maybe I'll just say that when this is all over, um, meaning the pandemic and everything, which is uh, uh, little conversations with strangers. Oh mm. man, I didn't realize how much I was missing those. And I was missing those so hard lately. Um, so this is this so what happened is Quinn and I we got our antibody tests um because mm. we were sick in early April. And to get it, you know, we the city, you know, is doing all these they're having all these sites where they're doing free antibody testing. Um, so we had to like wait in line for, for a little while. And like, I loved waiting in that line. Cause I like, there were places where the line curved and you could like suddenly, so suddenly you're like six feet away from a different person because of the curve of the line and just like little chats, little like random whatevers that, you know, I take for granted so much as a New Yorker. Uh, just, it was like so awesome to just like speak to strangers. So I spoke to like 10 strangers that day and felt so good. Um, so that's something that I like cannot wait to get back uh, when, you know, we're able to like be out more and everything. Um, mm. And then, so, but just to share the confounding thing, the results of, we got our antibody results as well. And I don't really know what to do with this because essentially it's not that I want to, I mean, obviously it'd be great to get rid of false negatives or false positives that's obvious like any test you would just want it to be 100 percent accurate but that's not right. necessarily what's going to happen but maybe it's about just sort of the expectation or the mindset of what an antibody test result even sh is supposed to mean like what we're supposed to do with mm. it i feel like there's something about adjusting the expectations of like what that even means so i don't know but essentially what happened is we got our results back and i tested uh positive for antibodies and for Quinn, there weren't any detected apparently in his blood, um, which is just like super interesting and also kind of confounding. Um, perhaps it was a false negative. He's actually out right now getting a second test from a different, from a city MD this time. So it's like a different test. Um, right. you know, the biggest thing of course is like having the antibodies, I feel like just allows us to donate plasma, which, you know, is really like to me, sort of the only or the biggest reason to get it. But, but it's also just like, I don't know, I've been when we got the, the day we got the results, we just spent all this time like looking at articles and essentially like the question of antibodies and, but then also like all these, these new studies showing that like people who've had COVID uh, are like, if they get reinfected, it might just be reflaring up from what they already had and that they're like not contagious yeah. almost definitely that right. second time, you know, but like, but it's also just sort of all, it was interesting to realize I was sort of anticipating the antibody results that we would both have them and therefore both sort of feel completely like uh, immune or untouchable, right. even though like, you know, it doesn't mean immunity. We, we can't say that fully yet, but I don't know, but it was just like such a interesting moment of like readjusting expectations of like, what does this even mean for us? And how are we supposed to think about these results? You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
so that's that was an interesting experience that just happened and I don't quite know what to make of it in a should we keep this form but I certainly want to bring back some conversations with strangers because that was just delightful yeah I mean and in in your um I also think maybe you want to get a second test because false negatives are not the only thing you know and I think it, it It, it might depend on the result of his test mm-hmm. um, because if he tests negative again, I would get tested again. I mean, y'all were all over each other. I mean, right. you live I'm- together. You're, I mean, you were, I, I've seen you sneeze into each other's mouths. Yeah. And so <laughs> our favorite, it's our foreplay. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And so with that, I really think you ought to well, yeah, just yeah. consider getting another test because false positives exist also. They totally do. But it, and it's but like we definitely had COVID like that. So it's so again, even if if it was a false positive, like the fact that we had it um, means essentially the same thing as far as antibodies, whether we have antibodies or not, it seems according to like the current research. I don't um, think that that's true. What are you talking about? Like, so there's all these, there's these new studies. um, And yeah, I only want to talk about COVID for like 30 more seconds. (laughs) But uh, there's these like, there's a bunch of new studies that just came out like this past week, basically, um, that were saying essentially, you know, they were looking at people who had had COVID recovered and then gotten sick again. um, Mm -hmm. And that and then they they did like contract tracing and everything for all these people who that had happened to for that second time they were sick and they and there it seemed to be from this study that there was 0% chance that they were like infectious again um right. from that second uh flare up and so essentially like if we don't have the antibodies somehow supposedly according to the test but we did have COVID, which like we definitely did, then uh, the did like you test then positive for COVID. Did we you never get a nasal no, prod? We didn't take. So the you test. don't know that you definitely had it. But we know, like the symptoms. I mean, I don't know what else it would have been symptoms wise. Right. Like, um, you know, and we are in the epicenter of the epicenter, and sure. we we were we had all the symptoms, um, and the fact that I tested, I don't know, you know what I mean, like for antibodies. Anyways, mm-hmm. so so yeah, perhaps it's all. Who knows? I guess the you know yeah, the whole thing the is like thing. who that, knows? <laughs> yeah, that I oh. agree with a hundred percent. Who knows? And I definitely am not going to leave this conversation going. Well, I mean, why even wear a mask? No, so, no, no. It's all good. You know, exactly. We're not going to change, and that's the whole thing too. It's like, yeah, we are certainly not changing any of the precautions that we are continuing to enact. Right. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, jeez. Uh, but yeah. So that's me today. How about you? Um, I want to get rid of, um, not like frugality per se, because I think now is a better time to be frugal than pretty much any, uh, at least since, you know, 2008. But mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great time to be frugal, be it. Um, but something that we've got taken to doing is Mm -hmm. like a a house dinner every night. 
Hmm. And like it's it's more food that I would make for myself. It's more expensive food that I would make for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we split it, sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to be spending this much on groceries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I should just, but, but I, you know, it's also worth remembering that like one, it's not that much Two, like the value that I'm getting from these dinners mm. is likely to be greater than the like $3 more a week that I'm spending on food and ingredients, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just like, I am conquering the fear or the, 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 uh, anxiety, but I'd rather it just not be there to begin with. Mm. I'd rather yeah, just be like that. one of those people that's like, Oh yeah, let's say, Oh, whatever food everybody wants, let's get it. Let's split it. Yeah. Gosh. And like, yeah. and it's not like, and it's not like I'm not even, you know, I go through the receipt and I just, tick all the things that I'm not going to eat meat, cereal, bread. It's like, I don't want to pay for them. You don't eat bread. I don't, I don't bring bread into my house. Oh, okay. Because I can't not (laughs) eat it. Exactly. In, in, in under 24 hours. Mm, Yeah. 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 Totally. Mm-hmm. Does not matter the size of the loaf. Under 24 mm-hmm. hours, I will have eaten it. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, I'm doing that. It's not like I'm it's not like I'm paying for the meat that they buy or the the cereal they buy that that I don't eat, et cetera. But I just still probably because for the past like seven years, it's been I buy and eat what I buy and what I eat. Mm-hmm. And then, and now it's just not like that. It's more, you know, family style. And I'm, I, I so I just feel like this inner tension mm. that I would like to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, ha- have the old experience. Live, totally, laugh, totally. love. Do you know the... Um... Be your own windkeeper. <laughs> exactly. Any one of, pick your choice of all these exactly. Right. Um, uh, do you know the word utils, U-T-I-L-S, utils? This is something I learned, uh, I learned in like a financial, it was like this financial boot camp for artists thing. And Uh essentially it's, it means like the cost, basically like the cost, if it's about, yeah, if the, the literal cost of something versus the sort of emotional cost of something or like if, Hmm. or like the emotional return of the thing and so like this lady her example was like buying a cup of coffee every day at a cafe like on her way to work you know of like technically like it's going to cost more money than if she made her own coffee but like the amount of time the little extra time she has in the morning and like the particular like the espresso which she doesn't you know whatever like that the utils of that uh outweigh the financial cost and I feel like it's kind of the same for here of like having that like communal dinner and like family style thing is such a cool, rewarding, um, like awesome thing potentially 
uh, and like perhaps those utils um, mm. outweigh the like little extra financial right. cost. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, I feel you. Cool. Yeah, a, a, a hypothetical unit measuring satisfaction. Hmm. Interesting. Did you just Google it? Um, I sure mm -hmm. did. Nice. Because it, it goes against what I would um, think the word would be. Mm -hmm. Right. It sounds like utility, like, right. like something it's really useful practical. Right. Like right. it would be like the word would be sadus and then the like cost effectiveness of something would be where the util and the sadus converge. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's utility meets satisfaction. Mm -hmm. You know, that Sadist. is... Right. That yeah, that I was to like, me is like what it Yeah, yeah. I thought you were like saying like sadist, like sadism. Uh, no. I was no. Confused. I was but now I got it. I got it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Should we start this show? Our last yeah. of the nineties. Oh, oh, ah, geez, oh, it is our last of the nineties. Like very oh my God. Well, <sighs> welcome to Should We Keep This. The cultural review podcast that's as calm as Hindu cows. As we look back over the past 50 years of film, music, television, and doesn't vouch for him. Because oh. our great war is a spiritual one. Our great depression is challenging our nostalgia to get at the question, <laughs> stuff, were the midterms hard? I'm not a bank, Jerry. Uh, and. I'm the first rule of me is that you don't talk about me. Uh, and that is a, that is a rule that you have been abiding by. It's true. It's over true. Over a year now. It's true. The first, first rule, rule of Gina's, Gina's social, social media, media is that you don't, don't talk about, talk about Gina. Gina's social media. <laughs> oh, and that's great. we take a note about that. We for sure years do. Later. <laughs> Okay. Well, if you couldn't have guessed, uh, we're well, talking about. You probably about... can't guess both. That's true. That's true. Um, well, don't you know? Oh, gee, oh, we're talking you know. about. Oh, gee, don't you know? Nadia, you got it now. Yeah. I got a question. About... Your police work there. Oh yeah, uh, Norm or yeah. whatever. No, no, I'd rather you. Uh, you know, I, oh, oh, what is the way? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm fucking up. I'm fucking up. Uh, doop, doop, doop. Oh what? shit. Uh, why don't you sit <laughs> over there? I prefer that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I prefer that. Yeah. Oh no. Hey, so no. you married? You got kids? <laughs> I love doing this accent. Yeah. No, uh, we're no. I just oh, think I'm gonna oh. barf. <laughs> we're doing Fargo and Fargo. Fight, Fight Club. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how to say um, what, clubs. Yeah, I don't know either. What a week! What a week! What a week! Um, this would be, I'd say, you know, the week of uh, in terms of why we put these together, like you know, different some some movies about violence i guess from right. the 90s like like, like dark yeah. comedic violence dark, yeah dark comedic violence yeah totally you could exactly. also say uh, they take place they both are in chicago like i feel like fight club right what fight club's in chicago yeah or not chicago the midwest oh okay i was like fargo is not fargo in chicago. is definitely very clear <laughs> right although i feel like fargo could really also be called like the twin cities yeah or, it's not actually it, take, it doesn't take place in Bainard, fargo. they never even mentioned fargo yeah it should be called right. just minnesota but you know right. that's okay minnesota north dakota line 
the mm-hmm. the great new band. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, yeah. I feel like I wrote down other. They had. Oh, there were a couple of things that they. Where the, oh yeah. They're also. I, whatever. Yeah. Dudes being violent. Like, people climbing out of upturned cars. That um, happens in both. People getting shot in the side of the face. Oh yeah! Um, wow, that happens in both. Nice. Right. Mm-hmm. A an incredibly white movie that involves mm-hmm. uh just past the middle, the one person of color like crying hysteric like crying. Uh, oh huh. yeah. I was just mm-hmm. like, huh, that's weird. Both both all white movies and yeah. like the one ethnic person is is brought in in a in a very strange way mm-hmm. in both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting. Um, all right. Well, I don't know which one you started with. I feel like Fight Club is the bigger one, so we should maybe save it for this the end. Ooh. Ooh Get a little sure bit of end there. Sure there. We can okay. do that. Yeah. So we'll we can start with, with Fargo. Fargo. <laughs> okay, we're gonna Let's have to do it. really try really hard not to just do that accent all the time. Cause I Ooh. love it. Okay. So it said it, I mean it's uh this movie was from nineteen ninety six. Okay, here's oh, Fargo. Yeah. Set in a cold winter in Minnesota, Jerry Lundegaard, a sales manager at a car dealership, is desperate for money. Um, he travels to Fargo, North Dakota. I only learned from looking it up afterwards because, I, again, I feel like they never say the word Fargo. But whatever. He travels there uh, to hire two small-time criminals, Carl and uh, I honestly don't know the other guy's name, so I'm just going to call him his associate. Uh, right. According to the internet, it was like... Gayer, G-A-E-A-R. Um, I don't know mm. how you say that name. But anyways, Carl and Associates to kidnap his wife, Jean, and hold her for ransom. His father-in-law, Wade, who's Jean's dad, obviously, is very wealthy. So Jerry essentially plans to have him pay the ransom, give the criminals $40,000, and keep the rest for himself. Uh, the kidnapping is carried out, but it proves more difficult than expected. Um, on their way uh, to bring Jean to a cabin on Moose Lake, the two criminals are pulled over by a state trooper outside the town of Brainerd. Carl tries to bribe the trooper, but his associate shoots him uh, dead. A car drives past, and the associate also kills the two people in there as well so that they won't have any witnesses. Um, the next morning, Brainerd police chief Marge Gunderson is on the case, and she begins tracking down the two criminals. Uh, meanwhile, Jerry informs Wade, the father-in-law, that the criminals have demanded a million dollars and only will negotiate with him. Uh, Wade is not pleased by this and he takes the money to deliver it himself because he believes Jerry will just fuck it up. Essentially, Jerry has always been sort of, you know, mm-hmm. just, just seen as kind of a, a pathetic guy. Uh, Carl, upon seeing that it's not Jerry delivering the money, shoots Wade and kills him. Um, uh, Wade, though, shoots him in the face a little bit before dying after fleeing the scene carl is amazed to find a million dollars in the briefcase since he thought the ransom was only for eighty thousand dollars he buries it on the side of the road um just in case doesn't want it to get stolen by his associate and uh returns to the cabin where he gets into a, a bit of a tiff with his associate meanwhile marge has been just killing it with her police work and she has grown suspicious of jerry um because there were you know they she realized that the car that the two criminals were driving in had dealer plates um she finds the cabin um and sees the associate putting carl into the wood chipper 
She arrests that associate. Oh, and by the way, this whole time she's been seven months pregnant and that has not gotten mm-hmm. in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry flees to North Dakota, but is tracked down and arrested trying to escape through a window. Uh, Marge and her husband end the movie um, sitting in bed, watching some TV, anticipating the birth of their child and reflecting on how they're doing pretty okay. And uh, that's pretty much the movie. There's yeah. uh, there's some you know some things I left out obviously, but that's the basic yeah, gist sure, of it. Yeah, sure. You know, it's a long it's a long, long movie. You know. Yeah, yeah. Can only uh, do so much. Uh, yeah, geez, this movie is made for seven million dollars, and uh, it made sixty point six million dollars uh, in twenty fourteen. Yeah, we got to see. Don't you know a, a TV series <laughs> get made? It's very acclaimed. Don't you know? And mm. uh, now, funny fact is, this movie claims that it's based. Uh, that it's factual, and yet at the very end of the movie, it also claims it's fictitious. And uh, over time, I, I'm losing it. Um, <laughs> the, the Cohen brothers they change their stories all the time, you know. Mm. And uh, Frances McDormand, she I don't really know what You're accent I'm Irish. doing, but she You're won. Uh, Frances McDormand, she won Best <laughs> Actress, you know. The Cohen brothers they won Best Screenplay for this movie. Now, Frances McDormand, yeah, she's already famous and she's. Oh, God, fuck me, God. Okay. Uh, married to Joel <laughs> Cohen. Uh, William H. Macy's already famous. Steve Buscemi, we've talked about him more than once. Peter Stormare, we talked to him more than once. Both Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare were both in fucking Armageddon. And then, Melissa Petermine, she's the person who, this movie didn't make anybody famous, but <laughs> Melissa Petermine, this is her very first movie, and she went on to play Barbara Jean in the television show Reba. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I forgot all about Reba. Wait, right? is she she plays Jean mm. in the movie? She, no, she oh. plays one of the um uh she plays the one of the sex workers that that mm-hmm. oh. uh Frances McDormand interviews. Right, got it. And then got I it. was like because I was looking through the cast, I was like, I don't recommend, I, like, I'm done with all the recognizable names. And then I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, oh is that? <laughs> you is remember that? her from Reba? <laughs> I do remember her from Reba. Well although done. I did say, if we really want to, I mean, Re- Reba is, is my my family likes Reba. So it, it's like, if you go <laughs> in, you, you merge that with the fact that they just leave TVs on. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the frequencies of syndication plus their... Uh, enjoyment of Reba means that it, 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 for the six weeks that I was in Charleston, it was it was on quite a bit. Um, oh, nice! <laughs> and then, and then they like uh, get there, Stephen. I did say if we just want to like make sure everybody knows, I don't know Reba too well. Like I don't like love Reba. I did think I did get her name confused with Cheyenne. So like when I took the note the first time, I was like, oh my God, Cheyenne from Reba. But she's like the daughter, not the new wife. So I'm not like crazy, you know, in love I think with Reba. just like, proves oh, that you know Reba way more God. than anyone else because you know some <laughs> Somebody else's name I, in the show. So I think you've just I, proven. I, I mean, I, I know, I, I almost said I know three people's names, but really I know oh. four people's names because I, I mean, obviously we know Reba's name. Okay. All right. Continue. Anyway, so, Cheyenne, so Fargo. Uh, yes. Continue. We have Van. Van is the boyfriend of Cheyenne. Uh, I think they get That's married. not what we're continuing uh, with, Stephen. No, sorry. Okay. Fargo. Okay, yes. uh, references. The, I feel like the main reference of this movie is just is someone being thrown in a wood chipper. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. That's like the big one. Everything else, people reference the movie, but 
there yeah. aren't many things that get like homaged mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in other movies. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. I feel like there's like just the general, like the, the like mid, the accents and the like niceness of like, you know, Midwestern nice culture smashed up against the violence. But I'm just like, that's not like a, right. a reference. But also, point. that's just like an iconic yeah. part of it, you know? I mean, and it could be said that like this, it, well, it, it can't be said that this movie gave us the Coen brothers because they were already very critically right. successful. So like, the things about this movie that are referenced are not really referencing this movie. They're sort of referencing the aesthetic of the Coen brothers, which predate this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet that there's a, I bet the like burying the money in the snow and like that, uh little, little, what you call it? Window washing, no scraper, the little window uh-huh. scraper being shoved right. in the thing. That's probably referenced. Hmm. Just because it's an interesting image. I don't know. Maybe I'm also just thinking no. about the TV show because yeah, I also it is an know inter- the TV show. Oh, see, I don't know the TV show. But also, I was more like, how do we not How do we not see something there? Where's what that? Do what do you mean? Ugh, to be spoken about in a second. Um, okay. the, I great. I can't wait to clarify Perfecto. so that you know what I mean. Me um, too. Are you? Are you? Are you are you, 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 um, have you, ready, I ready, just want to say, are you ready? What? Stop. What? Uh, what? I ha- have seen this movie a lot and oh, really. Yeah. Like first timer. Oh, really? First time. Wow. First time. First time. Cool. Yeah, and I've seen the TV show. I've seen the first, I think just the two seasons that I liked. And then the third season I fell off the wagon, but so yeah, mm. seen this movie a lot. The, you the fell show. off the wagon or the show fell off the wagon? You know, I'm not sure. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Mm. I'm sure the show would say that I fell off the wagon. Mm. Perhaps I would say the show did. Mm. Who can tell, really? Who can tell? Yeah. Um, but let's vote. I'm ready. 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 You're ready. You ready? Ready to vote? One. Keep it. Yeah, keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it like a sneeze. Bless you. Um, thank you. <laughs> time. Um, like a, I mean, you let like that go. That, you let that go, but you know. Right. Anyways, um, yeah, absolutely. I we should definitely keep this. Um, it's yeah. I just think it's a really. Its point of view on the violence feels really clear, and right. um, which is important when thinking about movies about violence. I think. Um, and spoiler. We're going to talk about that more. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just think like as a, it's also just a really, it's a well-made movie. It's a great script. The editing, um, like just in terms of all the sort of production elements that went into it, it just works really well. And again, of course, it's like very, it is very Cohen, like that's just sort of like a, a, right. a Cohen brother style. But, um, you know, the world is so clear and the characters are like, are really interesting. And there's some great, just sort of like quick cuts you know, where we sort of see both like slice of life, kind of like strange little moments of like mundane, slow, sort of normalcy, and then like jumping mm-hmm. to like really exciting uh, action. Like I just, it's a really rhythmically, it's just like a really well put right. together movie, you know? Right. And also I'd say that like, in terms of it's not just it's violence, but it's like opinion on criminality. It's, makes a distinction 
you know, because we this is a movie that has that has sex work in it. Mm-hmm. The sex work in this movie is not vilified, nor is it. I mean, literally, when 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 Francis McDormand is is interrogating them, they don't go mm-hmm. to jail. Right. You know, they don't get a citation of any kind. the The criminality that is punished is both uh, murder and like and deception. Totally. Yeah. And I feel like there's not even um, really any judgment from Frances McDermott's character when she's totally. like her judgment is really just about like the sort of like person, like the judgment is really more just about like the, the comedy of like the personality of these two mm, women. Right. And, you know, and, and like, I, I don't think we see nudity in that. Like, I think they're usually shot from behind. Like we can't really mm-hmm. see their body. Mm-hmm. And then like when she's interviewing them, you know, they're just like everybody else, which is really cool. Like they're just wearing like ugly sweaters and like and talking sort of, about like, things that don't matter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I, like, I oh, he's real funny looking. Oh, how, yeah. how so, you know, like in a general kind of way, like just right, funny right. looking. Right. And they talk about like, yeah, they're, you know, going to where they went to high school, like go bears, you know, and it's right. just like very silly. Um, totally, totally. But right. The, the criminality, yeah, the the murder and the deception. You're, yeah, exactly. Is the real? That's what's really being punished and judged, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. And it's interesting, you know, right from the beginning. Wow, that's a bold stance. Rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's kind of crazy that I'm saying <laughs> that. Wow, that like you really. I feel like we might lose listeners over that. Like that was <laughs> bold. Oh my god. Um, you, you heard crazy? it here first. Of course, of course okay, I mean. Okay. Well, okay, you never know. We could be talking about a very different movie and you never know. Um, and that point of view might mm. be in question. But yeah, um, I agree. From, from the beginning, it's funny we never learn why Jerry like needs all this money. Um, right. Which is super, like the details, the context of some things, and I'm sure this is tied to your comment about the million dollars being buried. Um, like some things are just sort of not gone into um and it's kind of like to me it was fine because i think also if jerry had a reason maybe the reason would have just been something selfish or something you know but like we it's clear from the beginning that he is meant to be like this duplicitous sort of uh you know that his it's all interesting i feel like both movies also this and fight club are also about like a feeling of like a sort of white male inadequacy, you know what mm. I mean? Like dealing with oh, like yeah. what it that sort of means, like mm. being sort of middle class, like, and like the feeling of what that feels like. And so I feel like from the beginning, Jerry feels, you know, just like sort of dissatisfied and, and feels inadequate in some way. And so he's just like, immediately is doing really questionable things to just like get money right. and we don't know why because like we just assume that it doesn't matter why because like he's just sort of uh meant to be disliked <laughs> you know right um, like the closest that we get is that we know that the business deal that he is trying to coax his uh father-in-law into he's already tried to like move on and so he's like he's taken out like a what a $320,000 loan using three cars as collateral that he doesn't own right. but but, yeah. but even that it's like 
to take out a $320,000 loan and then not be able to pay it back mm-hmm. means you did something with that $320,000. So exactly, like what, right. What, like what, what was it what? for? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Um, it's just so interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, yeah, so then he just resorts to all this criminality to pay back what we don't know, gambling debts. Like, these are all things that we just don't even know. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just also, like, the, the fact that you've got – Nine hundred twenty thousand dollars buried in the snow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I need somebody to to find it. Well, watch the TV show. The TV show All is great. Right. The first two seasons, I think it's unless I'm just pushing into one. At least the first, I think it is two seasons. Um, yeah, 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 it must be. Uh, maybe it's just one. Anyway, I don't want to give any spoilers, but maybe it it's pays two? off. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's two. You think it's, but maybe uh, it's could just be, one. You know, it could be one. Just one. <laughs> um, the suitcase, the money, yeah, pays off really well there. But I think it's a fun thing that this does. Like, it's, it reminds me of, um, oh, there's some other, oh, what am I thinking of? The thing where it's sort of like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, like, maybe it's like Indiana Jones or the mummy. I don't know, of like the treasure that was the goal kind of all along accidentally gets like left somewhere and it's like, ooh, who's going to find it? You know what I mean? Oh, um, sure. And so there's something to me that's like fun about that too because the tragedy also like uh, in a way it, like that this money just didn't even get, this was all about money, you know, and Marge comments on it's just like this whole thing is just like just for money, like money, it doesn't matter. Um, and then like after all of that, that money just sits in the ground and mm-hmm. will probably never be found, you know? And like, so it's just like, I think such a great comment also on like values and um, and what really matters. And I feel like that's also Marge's journey, which is so cool as the police officer in a, in a cool way. It's like, she doesn't start, you'd kind of expect uh, for her like arc to begin with like some dissatisfaction in like her own marriage or her own life or something like that. But I feel like she starts... Um, like feeling like she's she sort of starts just like accepting her life and enjoying it and not really ever thinking about it and by the end after like witnessing all these things and seeing the lengths people are going to to try to get money to try to be happy because they think money will make them happy like you know after all that she's just like even more grateful of like has perspective on like right. the things that matter to her which is you know uh get, getting made love, some eggs. family getting made some eggs in the morning i mean come on right? what else do you need right yeah i love that there's also just never her pregnancy is never commented on in terms of like i can't believe she's doing it while she's pregnant you know in a way that i just so appreciate um because like yeah like it is fucking amazing that she is the chief of police seven months pregnant like doing chasing down this like fucking criminals um successfully but also that like nobody ever makes a big deal out of it is also really awesome just because it also tells me a lot about her character and the way that she's respected and what people expect of her, which is like, they expect her to be fucking awesome, you know? Right. Um, And like, you know, you've also got, you know, the fact that really the movie only comments on it twice. One mm -hmm. in the very end where she's like, "Eh, two more months, Mm -hmm. two more months. But then also when she's like already the only one, she's like her and her partner are the only ones at the the crime scene mm-hmm. of the like very first crime scene and they've already stated that no one else has shown up because it's cold mm-hmm. like 
you know, whole, just fucking <laughs> write it on the front page. It's fucking cold in, mm-hmm. in North Dakota. Holy shit. Right. Um, <laughs> get the fuck out of town. But so like the fact that she's art, like that she's there when like the whole police force won't be, there's just that one moment where she sees the, the woman dead in the car and he's like, are you all right? And she goes, yeah, just a uh, slow morning sickness. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, it's gone. Right. It's gone. Okay. Like, you know, <laughs> right. that's like the only two comments that get made. And then also, yeah. you know, this is a roundabout thing. I am going to tie myself to this anvil and throw it off the cliff over a nice oh. big body of water and say, I'm just going to cross my fingers that I'll float. Um, <laughs> I also think there's something to the fact that like, while he was a bad guy and while he was doing a bad thing, um, you know, when when her like the, so the person that he that contacted her from like high school and is like hitting on her. He's not like hitting on her in spite of her pregnancy, nor because of her pregnancy, like it's never referenced in terms of like his being attracted to her. I mean, you obviously don't know that yet that he's like uh, mentally ill and like a stalker, but you also, I mean, this, I, you know, she's not like transitioned from, you know, attractive woman to uh, mother um, (laughs) that. Yeah. So, I mean, even like I said, I'm tying myself to the anvil. I'm throwing (laughs) it off the cliff. It's not perfect, but I think it's something. You know, no, it's not. It's not Demi Moore on the front of that magazine, rubbing her <laughs> belly. But it's something. Uh, no, totally. I think it's it's really it is because yeah, it's you know she's not usually we're so used to the sort of division of uh, women tropes in so many mm-hmm. movies. We've talked, you know, the sort of mother Madonna whore, and she's just. She's none of those things, even though she's also right. like a mother, you know, like, yeah. So I, I just feel mm-hmm. like it does a great job of not, yeah, not either showing that that means she's unattractive or especially attractive. It's just sort of part of her life. Yeah. Just fucking yeah. cool. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts on that encounter? The Mike Yamagita, the thing in the, you were, you were mentioning it, of course, in, earlier, but um, I mean, encounter the bar. I, um I I think it was like I guess well done in that I I think that at first you think this guy is like really skeezy mm-hmm. and then when he breaks down and starts to cry you're like mm-hmm. damn it you do you did something wrong but mm-hmm. also I do feel sad for you. And I like, yeah. And then later when you find out that, Oh no, she didn't die of leukemia. His wife, his wife didn't die of leukemia. He doesn't he even have just, a wife. Yeah. He doesn't have a wife. And the person that he said was his wife who's died of leukemia. Uh, he was stalking her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that like, you know, it, it recolors the situation altogether. Yeah. And uh, it, and I think also, I guess he represents like city life, maybe, because he looked like he was really doing well. He had like a great job as an engineer, allegedly. And 
in a way like off was like offering to to date her so not only was she at least in the moment that's what we're seeing um mm. in a way she has been both tempted she seen people tempted by both like money and big city life both mm-hmm. of which making her like more grateful for the life that she has yeah totally and i feel like it yeah i was i was really just thinking a lot about like why is this even in there like what is the function of this scene with him uh and the scene after and um yeah and it's like so and i guess right it's like sort of another thing of like oh wow i'm the things I take for granted are really lucky, you know, in terms of her discovery. Um, And then also perhaps something about like tying it in in an interesting way and a surprising way, maybe to like her police work too, because like she didn't even consider the fact that he might've been lying when she was seeing him in person. And then Mm -hmm. like after realizing that it was a lie is when she kind of goes, I think around there is when she goes back to talk to Jerry again. So it almost feels like perhaps, you know, a way of her to be like, Hmm, I need to really think about like the people I've just sort of trusted. Right. Not everybody who cries about a missing wife is believable. Right. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing that I I didn't love about it Mm -hmm. was that the only people of color in this movie Mm -hmm. are either Shep, um, who, you know, he is a criminal in a movie about criminals. So it's yeah. not like horrific that yeah. he's there, but mm-hmm. like you get yeah. the neighbor that gets like beaten unconscious in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And then you get, then you get, uh, I, I already forget his name, Tom. Mike, Mike, Mike. Mike. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, it, I just don't, I just didn't love that there were no, like, like her partner, mm-hmm. I feel like just could have been a person of color mm-hmm. and that that had like a real sizable role, not somebody who's just like a stalker or getting beaten up in a hallway. Yeah, totally. That, Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's true. It's certainly a, a weakness of this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in that very, it, it would have been a very 90s way. I feel like in the 90s, the example given would be that, oh, well, you know, in, in this city, it's in this part of the area, it's like, it's mostly white people. It's very racially segregated. You know, it's just not likely that they would uh, be friends. And, well, and I'm like, and then, and then, I'm sure that everyone else would go, oh, all right, washing hands and uh, problem right, solved. You right. nailed it. You said the right thing and we're good to go. And it's like, mm, I don't think so. Right. Right. Um, totally. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, so this was not, in fact, based on a true story, by the way. Is that the disc- the answer? to Because I, I was it, so it's... curious because I, I'm just sorry to I asked a question and then I kept talking. I'm sorry. But I, I, I because of the TV show... I was like, every episode, they had the same thing of like the exact same. This is based on in the out of respect for the dead, out of respect for the living. 
thing they have. And I like could not believe it was true and thought it was so fascinating. And then when I finished the first season, I like went and Googled it. And it's not a true story at all. They just totally made that up. Um, right. So is that the same with the movie too? <laughs> well, like the what the movie, what the the show definitely gets to like play with that more. But the the movie itself, like they have told different stories mm-hmm. like as they as they like have been asked about it over the past 24 years they they change their story hmm. interesting okay cohen brothers hmm. yeah which i'm like kind of more power to you i guess like yeah i, I guess so i mean and it's funny because tr- i was also like oh well i could imagine like opening a novel, you know, and knowing it's a novel and the first line being like, mm-hmm. this is a true story. You know what I mean? And like, so it's funny because like a fiction could yeah, also I mean, begin with this is a true story. But like right. we're there is one there. example that like m- that uh, many, many, many people have read. Mm-hmm. And and that book is called The Things They Carried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Did there you, you read- go. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> that it's is cool. a book of fiction that... Mm-hmm says on the like publishing page <laughs> that nobody reads that it is a work <laughs> of fiction um yeah that's so interesting d- despite sort of presenting everywhere else as a memoir uh, yeah and it's funny to like imagine what yeah just saying that something is based on a true story or it you know it was the events here did occur um it's so interesting because it really does like add some level a different level of like uh of uh ex- of like i don't even know what the word is incredulity or like mm. excitement towards watch what you're watching because you're like oh what that really happened like but right. at the same time honestly like and then thinking back it like doesn't really take away knowing that it's fiction like it still was as impactful and like as it is um it just like maybe in the process of actually engaging with that story like adds heightens kind of the experience of the engagement um, which is interesting. Right. Oh. Hmm. It's like, um, you know, to quote a movie we're going to talk about in a second, um, the, there's a lot of like, when people think you're dying, they really listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And so it's like when people think it's real, yeah. they just pay different attention. Totally. Very interesting. Um, do you are you ready to move over to that other movie that uh, has so far remained remained unnamed? Except we did name it. I but. think I think so. But you know what I think is really funny um, is that I feel like the movie shapes itself so that you think that uh, Steve Buscemi is the friend that yeah. Shep yeah. vouched for. Yeah. And yet it's actually uh, the other guy, guy, Gare. Um, And and so like, yeah, it it was just funny. You sit there thinking the whole time that like, oh, he's clearly the reasonable one and the other guy is clearly the bad one. And yet like, yeah, yeah. So there there is like the question of like, if there was no like Steve Buscemi Uh mitigating Gare's behavior, like would they have just gotten away with it? 
Totally, totally. And would Gare have like put the tags on the car and then they wouldn't have been pulled up? Because Steve Buscemi is the one who's like, oh, I forgot to put the tags on. Yeah, so maybe right. maybe they wouldn't have even killed anybody. Who knows? But, you know, right. but of course, we know Gare's personality and he, you know, he is the one who in the beginning seems so ready to kill people. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it's super interesting. How that's a That was a great little surprise. Yeah. I also just really, I love that Marge and Norm... Um, like there's just something so he, so he's like a painter who's trying to get, he's like in competition to get his image of a duck on a stamp basically. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's the chief of police and it just feels like a a really, I like their marriage is so, um, strong and like, uh, lovely and everyone in town there's just like a lack of judgment on the like sort of reversal of your sort of gender expectations between the two of them i Mm -hmm. I felt um like the movie and the other the like people in town didn't seem to in any way be like judging or calling attention to the fact that like he was just in a he was in the position that she might have been in if it was a different movie and you know vice versa um and i just like really love their relationship and like you know that he gets up and makes her eggs and is proud of her and she's proud of him and it's just really sweet right it's really sweet um it's That's also all. in a world without forever stamps yeah, it's um, true. well they're they only came into existence in like the 2000s oh i had no idea because there was yeah. the he's like oh the three cent stamp oh well people need the three cent stamps <laughs> when they when they raised a price and they they got the old ones you know and i'm oh, like yeah oh, oh. And it was um, true. That was true. I worked at a grocery store, uh, and and their customer service, which was like the po- a part of like a tiny post office for our town, oh, and there was, was like also a, a real like a franchise office. dealer. Oh, so. small so town. Little, yeah, there also was a post office, but this was like oh, in sure, the grocery yeah. store. <laughs> Believe it or not, right next to the um, right next to the bank, eh? <laughs> shut up it was a small town <laughs> uh, and i like remember when forever stamps came out because it was like they were the new thing to sell anyways mm. anyway fun to yeah. a bit the last thing that the last thing that i i i think this movie uh what, what i think is interesting that this movie predates mm-hmm. um and i tried to look up there's just too many movies that involve both hostage situations and ransom to really mm-hmm. sort of uh find to like source yeah when the like public knowledge kind of tipped Mm -hmm. but i felt like this movie seemed to be operating before it became the like thing to do to not give ransom money to abductors Mm -hmm. because like i don't i mean like you know nowadays it's like okay so they take somebody hostage the first thing they're going to say is don't give them the money because once they have the money they have no incentive to keep them alive yeah but like but like the the biggest one that i'm thinking of that's like around this time is that mel gibson movie ransom where that's like a very focal thing i mean it's problematic to see it now so if you can't see it on on a streaming package so you're not really giving new money to it but um it's like gary sinise is in it it's great well like they like you know that instead of like they're demanding this ransom from mel gibson who like owns an airline that and he's like he won't pay it 
because he's convinced that like once he gives him the money that they're gonna kill his son um mm-hmm. and so yeah like the 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 idea that that wouldn't be something that was at least on the table for discussion i was like when is this was that not mm-hmm. a thing that people just expected and knew and was an immediate part of every movie mm-hmm. um, right yeah. yeah yeah it's true that wasn't even on the question of like should we go to the police or not was on the table but not should we even pay it yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. I'm ready to move to the big one. I'm ready to move on to the big one. We're 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 keeping Fargo. We're not even we're not even up for debate. Not even up oh, for debate as to whether no, or not no. we're going to keep to Fargo. We just want to keep it. Okay, so now Fight Club. Um, this movie Fight. came out in ni- <laughs> 1999. Fight here. In- oh, you're just gonna okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Just keep that. Keep you know. Keep my keep me ready. Keep just throw keep it out. That energy. Whenever. okay so uh an unnamed narrator guides us through the story um he is an automobile recall specialist who is unfulfilled by his job and his many possessions he suffers from (laughs) you got me bro he suffers from insomnia and finds catharsis by posing as a sufferer of many diseases and afflictions in an assortment of support groups Um, when he goes he's able to cry and then he's able to sleep uh, this is all true until another imposter, a woman named Marla, disrupts his flow. She also is coming to all the support groups and is also a tourist there. Um, they agree to split up which groups to attend, and they say their goodbyes. On a flight home from a business trip, the narrator meets a very cool guy who is a soap salesman, and his name is Tyler Durden. Uh, on returning home, the narrator finds that his apartment and all of his things have been destroyed by an explosion. So he calls up Tyler and asks if he can crash with him. Uh, They meet at a bar. Tyler says he can stay with him, but he first asks him to hit him as hard as he can. Uh, They have a little fist fight and uh, are amazed at how good it feels afterwards to have really hit somebody. Um, And so it begins a happy little life of them squatting in a dilapidated building, having more and more fights, which draw bigger and bigger crowds uh, and lead to them creating a fight club, which is a secret group where men can gather and fight each other. Um, Marla starts sleeping with Tyler. The narrator is pissed off by this. Um, the narrator becoming obsessed with the fights and sort of finally feeling awake for the first time. He quits his job by blackmailing his boss, um, into, you know, he, he pretends that the boss beat him up when actually he beat himself up. Uh, so the boss agrees to pay him for the full, his full salary. Um, fight clubs begin forming across the country. Lots of new members end up joining, including Bob, who is the, one of the first guys the narrator met at one of the support groups. Um, Tyler, meanwhile, is recruiting an army, essentially making secret plans, blowing things up, trying to disrupt society all under this code name Project Mayhem. Um, during one of these excursions, um, Bob is killed by police the narrator tries to stop the project, but it's too late. Um, and, you know, there's a whole huge mess of people who are involved in Project Mayhem. Uh, and twist, the narrator realizes that he is Tyler Durden. Uh, he, <laughs> he has sort of disassociated part of his personality. He's the one who's been sleeping with Marla this whole time. He's the one who's been orchestrating all these plans. Um, and yet he still sort of sees Tyler as, a, as this separate entity outside of him. 
And he learns, figures out the, what the big plan is, which is to erase everyone's credit card debt by blowing up buildings containing credit card records. Uh, he tries to stop it, has a final face-off with Tyler, where he manages to shoot himself. Uh, and, there, and in doing so, he gets rid of Tyler forever um, because essentially it, he thought that he had, would die, but he doesn't die. Uh, Marla, who's been kidnapped by Project Mayhem members, uh, is brought to the building and the narrator holds her hand as they watch the explosives detonate the buildings around them as the pixies take us into the credits. Mm, I went swimming in the Caribbean. <laughs> that Ooh, that would have been a good, that would have been a good intro. It is, it is, mm -hmm. it is. It's the start of the second chorus, start, second verse. Um, oh, nice. But yes, so uh, this movie was made for... 60 million dollars and despite making a hundred million dollars globally it was a big domestic disappointment it made 37 million dollars domestically oh. um, yeah and it didn't become um like a, a domestic profit until it was released on dvd hmm. and so like the difference between its release in 1999 and then like post DVD sales uh, is that in the, at the 10th anniversary in 2009, the New York Decl times declared it the defining cult movie of our time. Wow. Um, yeah. And then um, fun, some fun facts, some fun facts is that um, David Fincher, he saw this movie. He sees it as the graduate, but for people oh. in who, for people in their thirties, interesting <laughs> as in like uh, the graduate for people in the late 90s um as a, like like he said in the 90s this is basically the new graduate his quote makes of, it sound weird in terms of like uh the impact it had on people or in the, the no in terms of like it's it. about you know somebody who's okay. dissatisfied with their life okay. and they're you know um i have a different yeah. theory that I, yeah, I have a right. Um, I think that this is basically a remake, but I'm I'm gonna hold it. Of hold my down. Else. Ooh, I can't of wait to hear else. what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this movie uh is mostly full of famous people. There aren't really there's nobody who's like about to launch from this. You know, you've got Brad Pitt, uh, we've got Jared Leto, we've got Edward Norton, who Edward Norton was like on the come up. So he had basically just been in his first big movies, Primal Fear, Rounders, and American History X. So much so that I thought this was crazy. Brad Pitt made $17 million for Fight Club. Wow. Edward Norton, mm -hmm. 2.5. <gasps> what? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right? Wow. Um, and, like, and then also Helena Bonham Carter is in the movie, and she she's – uh, she's a, a, been a long famo at this point because she was in what was it, a room with a view that was like her first mm -hmm. big movie I think. Mm -hmm. But um, the the second fun fact that I said because I said the first one was David Fincher sees it as the graduate, but the studio didn't want Helena Bonham Carter. They wanted dot 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 Reese Witherspoon. No way. Way. Whoa. How like wrong wow. of a choice would that be? Oh, I 
can't picture that. But maybe, I mean, maybe she would have shown us a cool different, a different side. Who knows? But yeah, well, I can't well yeah, it's like I have no doubt that like that Reese Witherspoon could pl- you know could act an edgy character, could play an edgy character. But like, but yeah, it's such wow. a different part of her brand mm-hmm. that it would have changed the future of Reese Witherspoon forever. Mm-hmm. So totally. either. Reese Witherspoon ceases to be Reese Witherspoon in 1999 or re or Marla Singer changes to be Reese Witherspoon. And yeah. Which honestly, probably because Marla is not necessarily an edgy character like Helena Bonham Carter. Anyway, if you just looked at the script, she's a bit edgy, but she's not going to the death Cults committing suicide, like they are talking to him about her like suicide attempt. But oh, it's not a real side of suicide attempt. It's just a cry mm-hmm. for help. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, a, anyway, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it 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 would become. I would see it like as a bit of an Evan Rachel Wood esque thing. Mm-hmm. I feel exactly. like that's the she's the suburban Helena Bonham Carter, which is kind of the midpoint between Helena Bonham Carter and uh, Reese and nice. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. But right. now the last thing, uh, the last thing I'll say before references is that the who this movie did make famous, though, uh, was Chuck Palonic, mm-hmm. who this was his very first novel. It was moderately successful. And it was the the optioning and the making of this movie that made him a popular mm-hmm. author. And yep. now, you know, he's many books down the line. So uh, sure the is. references that this movie has. um is that uh, the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The that is like parodied in in everything. Like the first rule of Astronomy Club is that you do not talk about Astronomy Club. All kinds of shit. Um, they've there's been um, a number of of YouTube videos made where they like uh, will like make a mashup between Fight Club and other movies. Um, the, there's a fun one called the Jane Austen fight club as opposed uh-huh. to like the Jane Austen book club. Um, and so it's about like Jane Austen characters basically exercising their frustration at, you know, Victorian era gender roles by having a fight club. Um, and also they have one about, uh, like Cameron Fry, um, in Ferris Bueller. Uh, and then, uh-huh. because there is this whole like internet uh like theory where uh ferris is a figment of cameron's imagination Mm -hmm. and so like that was just ready for the taking of someone to sort of make the make the just sort of film it put Mm -hmm. a filter over the trailer and then change the font of the text and then you've got it um but then the other thing that this movie does is um Many fight clubs started around mm-hmm. the country. Um, yes, many yeah. arrests have been made. Um, there have been even so much as uh, some daycare representatives were arrested because they were having a uh, child fight club. <laughs> and then also, also, uh, there have been like different situations of people like blowing up banks, blowing up Starbucks, mailing pipe bombs and things to emulate Project Mayhem. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that indeed has happened. 
So, shall we vote? Yeah, well, I also want to say, uh, I also had used, I watched this movie a lot. Um, I also was one of the people who watched this movie and then started reading some Chuck Palahniuk novels. Um, Mm -hmm. Just no matter how famous he is, no one will know how to say his name. No, it's true. It's true. Um, You go, Chuck. What about, had Mm -hmm. you seen this movie before? I'm just curious. Um, I had seen this movie before, um, but this is definitely a movie that, like, friends spoke about ad nauseum before I saw it. So, like, mm. yeah. people would be like, oh, I need some gauze. Or, like, you know, talking about the soap and talking yeah. about all kinds of shit. And then I'm sitting there kind of nodding along. And then finally when it came on TV, I was like, all right, I guess I'll watch it. Because also I was in, like, sixth grade when when friends were talking about it. Sure. And um, – wow. Then you right because well I went to like public school so we were like hard, I did too. You know? um, but but like in your little small town <laughs> where the grocery store is called the, the downtown is just the grocery store so the Ingles or whatever y'all have up there and a pizza um, shop. As well. All right, all inside the grocery store. No, uh, um, complex. You heard it here first. <laughs> but. Uh, Gotcha. Like watching, and so and so, I saw. I think I saw it for the first time around like two thousand four. Hmm. Thought it was, like, thought it was great. Um, yeah. A lot of the the sort of like the things that sort of resonated with me back then were obviously like, or the things that I thought were great were like the whole fact that it was Edward Norton the whole time or like, and you know, the fighting, but all the like project mayhem stuff. I I didn't understand it then. Yeah. Like I understood it now or like the, like the really? direct commentary on consumerism. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. didn't understand it. Yeah. Those were the things that I had most forgotten about the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I had seen it a lot. I, I feel like I, I think I have, you know, bought it. At some point, DVD. Yeah, I thought it was real cool. Right. Uh, let's. You ready? You ready? You ready? Let's let's vote. Let's, let's vote. vote. Let's ready. Yeah. All right. I am Jack's all voting voice of the one. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's do it. Fight. Three, you do um, fight. 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 Uh, no. no. We have no. to get rid of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And no. Like anything where the references are pipe bombs being sent through the mail. Like, God. I mean, uh, fuck the amount right. of times like the, the fake out, like outcry over the Joker and like, oh, there's going to be copycat murders. Like mm-hmm. there are no fucking copycat murders. But oh, th- no. This shit has loads of copycat shit. Children right. are being made to fucking fight in preschool. God. Because right. of this movie. Yeah. And because of course, right. I truly, I was so sure in rewatching it that it end that it would end with him dying slash like you know the plan being foiled uh or at least him not being with Marla like i was so i like so remembered it that it must end that way because i couldn't imagine that the movie was possibly possibly could end sort of validating all right. that he had done and then it it ended with him winning everything. It was crazy. Like, I can't, right. I cannot believe that. Like the perspective on the violence is so, uh, it just makes it seem so cool. Uh, mm-hmm. and so like fight the power and like, you know, anarchy, whatever. And, and like Joker being a, like, yeah, like, no, the, the, 
point of view in Joker is so not that. Um, uh, so like, if I, I, I honestly, I love Joker. I can't wait until we get to talk about that movie. But yeah, um, I see yeah, I can't believe. I just can't believe this movie just makes is trying just makes it all seem so cool and like literally, yeah. And the fact that there were so many people replicating so many of these things mm-hmm. is just terrifying. Um, right, and the idea that like, like that you know like so. You know, it, it, it's fairly well trodden that like this, the idea that, you know, oh, if you're really angry, you know, yell and beat up a pillow because that'll that'll help you where it's like, actually, no, you train your body to handle emotions. So like if you every time you get mad, you go beat a pillow, you just train yourself to like beat things up. So totally. like, it, like all this is just glorifying this idea that like, oh yeah, you know, men just have this, oh, in their balls, just this unbridled masculinity that you, that you just got to fucking fight because the fucking man, they're trying to fucking, you're trying to fucking take your balls with their fucking <laughs> testicular kids, sir, and their fucking Ikea catalog. Get your fucking balls. Punch me, fucker. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I fucking, it is nuts. Fucking yeah. awful. Uh, it is it's so it's so awful yeah i uh, i and have a guess of your what movie you thought it was an adaptation oh, of please please do you want to say it on three just to see if we're if i got it right um no i don't okay 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 um a clockwork orange no okay great i think this movie and i want to hear that because the thing is the main reason that i don't think that Gina, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that I haven't seen a Clockwork Orange. Oh, fair, 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 fair. So, yeah. <laughs> That'll be a good um, reason. For not thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this movie is the uh, the uh, the fascist Annie Hall. <laughs> I do like it's. You know, he <laughs> speaks directly to the camera, making lots of like witty retorts you know he the we've got a woman who likes him for no reason the like i just i was watching it being like and it's like this thing where we have lots of like young men who watch it and sort of idolize their relationship i mean how Mm -hmm. many times i'm sure we uh, i'm sure the the annals of you know, contemporary history of douchebags, people have gone, I don't know, I just can never date a woman who doesn't like Fight Club, which, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. I mean, is, is, you know, basically I've taken that quote from How I Met Your Mother, remove the mm-hmm. words Annie Hall and put down Fight Club. Like, totally, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's so true. It's so true. It's such a, it's such a, I'm a cool, this is a cool perspective. I'm a dude movie. Yeah, fucking, Take the fucking power back. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And not uh, only that, Edward Norton in the movie Sausage Party, uh, <laughs> he plays the bagel and is doing very clearly an impersonation of Woody Allen. So he has a history of playing Woody Allen type characters. So okay. Okay. call it canon, baby. Um, I also, yeah, I just feel like this, I, I, it struck me like halfway through where I was like, what the whole, so the whole thing, which you referenced in the little opening of like our, we don't have a great war, you know, our war is a spiritual one. We don't have a great depression, whatever, um, of like how 
obviously this was just like such a white idealization of suffering um, in mm. the way that, like, you know, this is like, uh, you know, craving a war, craving a hardship, essentially, to right. prove that, you know, you can survive it um, is like such a disgusting thing to say when like there is so much injustice and suffering still happening and certainly in the 90s you know what i mean like right uh, so like that just felt so like such a slap uh, also like you want to be a man well also mm -hmm. the person you said you wanted to fight was hemingway well hemingway fought in world war one and then mm -hmm. somehow managed to write a lot about mm -hmm. how the, the ptsd from war makes you impotent mm -hmm. so like mm -hmm. that like that like this thing that is supposed to give you masculinity is the thing that takes your masculinity well like mm -hmm. there you go pal you're undone yeah. by your own fucking logic you piece of shit yes. hemingway would have beat your ass i was <laughs> i was struggling with yeah. the jokes to make <laughs> you know mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, uh, it's just like this, this, like it, it really, to me also, I was just thinking so much about like how much this could be. T and obviously it was taken by people who I'm sure were mostly white to, for all the like pipe bombs and like the things mm -hmm. that from this, um, of like, as a sort of right wing, like, uh, you know, um, incel, I don't know, like some, some like oh, that feeling right now of like, being a real man and like a real man like uses his fists and like not his brain like isn't soft you know and it's not about mm -hmm. thinking it's about fucking and doing and fighting you know right. and like and and it's just like such a uh, it's so scary to me that like this was so appealing and is still so appealing i'm sure you know and uh, and like because uh, like that's not a world i want to live in that sounds so right. fucking cool and the place it of women in that world is just to be uh fucked you know by yeah. them like they're that's that's it uh and that is terrible right i mean the other the other thing that this movie well and and be the ooh, the mm -hmm. mouths ooh, um basically oh. a mouthpiece for male bullshit poetic waxing i mean that whole the what? glass no, slipper is the the, the condom. condom is the glass slipper of modern civilization. We mm -hmm. we wear it for a night and we throw it off. And I'm like, dude, what the uh, fuck are you talking about? Oh Shut god, fucking what? Um, Ugh. her character. Also, don't flush fucking condoms. Don't flush toilet, condoms. You know, it's no, it's gonna build up. Um, but also, you know, I I something I took from Peaky Blinders and Babylon Berlin, which is validated in this movie. Um, they have this. Brad Pitt had this line when he when they've like they've captured the police commissioner in the bathroom and they're going to take his balls. And he's like, we cook you food. We carry you trash. We guard you while you sleep. Do not fuck with us. Mm. The. What he is referencing is like the hunger. It, what I feel he is resonating with is the hunger for things like labor unions and communism solidarity amongst the working class to fight for their humanity 
And something that I noticed in both Peaky Blinders and Babylon Berlin, as they're both sort of covering the rise of fascism, is that is just how easy it is mm. to take that hunger and mm -hmm. just turn it a few degrees to the right mm -hmm. and make it fascism. And yeah. like, like there's a reason that the second half of the word Nazi is socialism. And it's just mm -hmm. like to take people who are bitter at the fact that they that they don't have rights and then just we're just gonna fucking make you military war machines and a pawn and a different game that you didn't realize um mm -hmm. yeah it just it makes me so fucking sad yeah 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 uh, absolutely absolutely also i gotta say there are two things in this movie that um i thought were just like the two things in the there, we haven't. Uh, fuck me, god damn it. Um, there's one thing that we haven't talked about that I feel like is a big thing that we need to talk about. But the, there's two things that I think are small things that yeah. when you know the 13 year old boy uh, who watched it is like, oh man, that's so fucking good. Yeah, fucking yeah, good. Um, that I was like having to fucking reach back into my skull and pull my eyes down. They rolled back so hard um, when. At the very end, because this movie begins uh, in medias res, a la mm -hmm. Walk the Line, um, where it starts with him, Edward Norton, gun in his mouth, and he's like being held at gunpoint, and we're seeing that they're in the skyscraper, and then he's like, oh, let me take you back to where this started. <laughs> back in time and then we move forward and then suddenly he's back on the in the skyscraper with the gun in his mouth again and then right. he like says something and then brad pitt pulls the gun out of his mouth and he's like what'd you say and he goes i still haven't thought of anything yet huh flashback humor nice and i was <laughs> like oh fuck off that fucking <laughs> that is the dumbest fake piece of metal meta bullshit oh god i bet you're fucking jacking off aren't you chuck polonik you piece of shit fuck you and then well, the other the thing like i don't know if the book starts like that oh fair fair well but, da fucking know, david fincher, certainly david fincher fuck you and then the other thing is it just like the whole way in which he kills brad pitt doesn't make any sense no it doesn't doesn't make any fucking sense i mean i think it is supposed to be tied to the whole thing that brad pitt's character is trying to teach him which is to be really free you have to be ready to die and in the end the way he gets rid of him is by uh you know by thinking he's going to kill himself and therefore being like at peace with death does he or does he just be like, okay, I'm me and I'm a little to one side and you're me, you're a little to the other side. So I'm going to turn the gun a little bit and just shoot it to the other side and then that'll just send it right out the back of your head. Like, Well, no, because he tries to shoot him before and the gun, the bullet doesn't even go through him because he's not real. When he but shoots that forward, when he shoots forward, yeah. but yeah. then Edward Norton goes, all right, uh, I'm just going to shoot out the side of my head and then that way if i shoot out the side of my head that'll be the middle of your head like it doesn't no, no because he's trying no like he's tried he directly put the gun like in at 
Brad Pitt's body shot right. and nothing even happened. So I don't think it's right. about the angle. It's about the supposedly Edward Norton's character coming to terms with the peace, being at peace with his own death. And in so doing, he's like fully integrated back to himself and therefore is free from Tyler Durden. That's what I think. I I don't agree. And obviously, and also like well, okay. the it's shooting fair. of the shooting, the, like, I just think it's a separate thing. The, the him shooting Brad Pitt and the bullet going through because there's nobody in front of him. So that, that is like clear, but when he puts the gun in his mouth, like huh? he doesn't, he is, he is pointing the gun at Brad Pitt then. And then you're sick, but he's standing. Okay. Brad Pitt is standing in front of him when he puts the gun in his own mouth. Yes. Because he's Brad Pitt. You, yeah. we, we know this like, like, Oh, the gun is in your hand. The gun is in my hand. Right. Oh, if I shoot me, I shoot I you. So okay. I'm going to shoot me, but just like a little bit to the right. So that I fuck a little bit to the left so that, you know, cause that's where you are. You're a little bit but, to the left. Okay. It, but he's not me. to the left. He's in, he's the same thing. So right. I think he shoots himself believing he will kill himself and then he survives. I think That's- what, and what I'm saying is I think it's unclear that he believes he will kill himself. But otherwise there's no point or resolution to all the, the burning, the chemical burn where, and everything that Tyler Durden is trying to tell him, which is to be, uh, to to accept his own death that's what that's like to me i feel like in terms of the movie making that that's like the culmination of that story you know um but i uh, and i would say that while that is while that would be great and you like i just don't think that there's enough in the movie to make me think that that's what happened I mean, there's not even there's barely any shock that he's alive mm-hmm. from him. Like, where's the scene where he wakes up thinking that he was going to be dead? I mean, I don't sure, but I, I think you know the movie. We don't get another scene after that scene, so so I don't know. But yeah, I mean, right. the movie doesn't explicitly tell us. I think that it should have happened before. He like gets up, looks at the buildings and holds Marla's hand. You know, it should have been the first thing that happened when he woke up. That like, I thought I was dead or some shit like that. I don't know. Um, uh, that, yeah. Perhaps. Agree to disagree. Look, but, uh... you know, what are we going to do? We're all singing, all dancing crap in a world. What are we going to do? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So that was one. Of, wait, that was one of the oh, things you said there were like, two the... things. The the big thing that we haven't talked about is is the glorification of mental illness, oh, of yeah. violent mental illness. Mm-hmm. That like, I mean, this movie makes fucking having two personalities seem like the fucking coolest Randall thing on the goddamn planet. I know, and everybody like loves him for it. Like everyone is so right. interested. Like his, he gets so many followers who just like think he's the coolest guy. Because yeah. he's probably like talking, like from their perspective, he is one person who's like talking to himself and fighting himself and like all these things. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And like always, yeah. and every time he's fighting himself, what he's doing is testing their loyalty. You right. Know? Like every time he tries to get them to stop, they're like, mm, this is what he said you do. You know, this is what you exactly. said you do. 
Don't worry, yeah. we got you covered. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Ugh. Also, yeah. yeah, there's one line that I'm like, mm, mm. It, 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 well, it's it's a, it's a huge line that I'm sure you, we both wrote down, which was that uh, we're a generation of men raised by women. Oh, yeah. I wonder if another woman's what we really need. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Yeah, oh exactly. My God. By the women. And so what what you think you need another man who's just gonna disappear? Like, I don't know. That what? logic also just doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, also- you're griping about the fact that, that your father left. And then you're like, I don't know if we need women. <laughs> right. What the fuck. Yeah. But also, yeah, what what that is just a terrible yeah. thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> it really, it really like if someone goes, Fight Club is sexist. Someone else goes, no, it's not. We're a generation of men raised by women. I'm wondering if another woman is what we really need. All right, look, okay. Don't just throw quotes around. You know? <laughs> I'm done uh, with this movie. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just, I don't even. The only other thing that I um, took issue with was like this bizarre demonization of Ikea. <laughs> Because like, I, I don't hate IKEA. I don't think it was a, okay. I, well, I it you wasn't a demonization was a- of IKEA. It was that IKEA was a stand-in for consumerist culture, um, because you know he, he bought all the stuff from IKEA, um, but it was certainly about more than IKEA. It was about just consumer consumerism. Right, but literally every example about consumerism especially in the first 20 minutes of the movie was about ikea yeah because he just happened to buy from ikea i mean it could have been wayfair he could have been a wayfair kind of guy it could have been ashley furniture i don't know i've never thought about them before this moment they probably don't sell cups and plates i mean ikea is the one that makes sense because they sell literally everything so you know you can get your dish set and you can get your bed and you can get your meatballs all in one place but right, but like I feel like the, you know, if he's like uh, got a like great job, like money wise, that he can just sit on the toilet and order shit, like, mm-hmm. like it's not gonna be IKEA. It's not gonna be IKEA. Like mm-hmm. IKEA Maybe. allows people who make way less money to have like a nice looking house. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. It, no, no, well, no! Fucking Warren Buffett isn't just spending his nights and weekends <laughs> putting shit together with an Allen wrench and wooden dowels. Like he fucking you can pay to have them set it up for you. So I'm sure that's what right. he does. Oh, okay, but okay. I've, I've, I've heard of yin yang table. <laughs> exactly the yin yang table. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I also it's just general, just a general comment is that like. Uh, I I like had a good time watching a lot of this movie and yeah. that's such a problem. You know, like it's, it really is so successfully like funny at sometimes and like cool feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, man, that's, that's so dangerous. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, yeah. I felt like, um, <laughs> allow me to pat myself on the back for a minute because okay. I coined a I coined a term. I think that How Helena Bonham Carter is a manic pixie nightmare girl. Uh, uh-huh. Because she like, 
goes to death support groups and walks out in the middle of the street and like she tries to kill herself and that's like oh so cool you know like i might still fall under manic pixie dream girl right because that's the manic part of it but yeah nightmare girl right um yeah really the other thing waiting saved by loved by a dude that's right yeah but we know nothing else about her she's that's the worst character it's just so bad. Anyways, yeah, we, we accept that it could never happen today because the only thing that we know about her character is uh, that she smokes inside, and uh, you just can't mm-hmm. smoke inside anymore. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so her whole character, whole character gone. is gone. Yeah, it, it would yeah. It, without that, she's basically Reese yeah. Witherspoon. Really, nothing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's why she totally could have been played by her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair, 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 fair. Um, that's the studio was like, we want this to stand the test of time, and we already mm-hmm. see smoke. It's on the way out. It's yeah. gonna happen, <laughs> but uh, yeah. The other thing I know I, I noticed um, at the very end of the movie, I think this might be the last thing I have to say about it. But mm-hmm. th- watching the like buildings fall down, I was like, "Hmm, this might be the like." Because every time people watch like stand up comedy uh, or like you know movies that make fun of people with severe physical disabilities they're always like couldn't make that today couldn't make that today but like that's almost always wrong however watching them like watch these buildings collapse i was like huh they would would not have made that in two years you've got like You you had an eighteen month window to make this movie, and uh, you would if it was eighteen months later, it would not have come out. Um, I yeah. also I thought you were going to say like that that could be just the way that the buildings fell and the whole con- all the conspiracy theories oh, about shit. 9/11. You're fucking so right. Oh fucking shit! It you're right. Fell so perfectly downwards, just like all the conspiracy theories about how those towers fell, like. Uh-huh. Or, or that it was part of Project Mayhem. Although, right, right, to be perfectly well. honest, like that, I'm sure that did exist somewhere. If if, if Reddit existed then, then it would have been there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. The last thing I'll say I have to say about this is just like the whole joke that's supposed to be like a cool joke of um. Tyler Durden of the Brad Pitt character, which I guess is just, you know, the same guy, whatever, uh, you know, working as projectionist and like for fun, he splices in a single frame of porn into like kid and family movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like that is so fucked up. Like you're, and that's, and it's just like supposed to be like, isn't that funny and like edgy right. that he does that. Um, but like, God, I just hate that, you know and I hate? And like, and again, that's just, to me, it's just like one little part that's so indicative of like the way the movie is made because it like is supposed it feels funny and cool and like well edited you know what i mean to like mm-hmm. like the way that the narration is like explaining it um but like if you think about it you're like oh that is just like psychopathic behavior that's just horrible you know what i mean right. um so yeah yep uh, well it sounds like we've well. we've definitely keep this movie yeah <laughs> i mean kidding. you you won me over okay. with that yeah yeah uh bye 
Well, well so we made it. It's been a long the road. 90s. Yeah, there was still, you know, of course, there are plenty of things we we couldn't quite get to. There's just so many, so many genres blooming in the 90s. Um, right. But, you know, hopefully this was a fun little slice of that decade for all mm-hmm. y'all. Definitely yeah. a lot so, of fun. So, so like, I mean, we spent like 20 weeks on this decade, pretty much. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on it. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're going to, that's it for the 90s. So we're going to be taking a little break uh, before we jump into the sweet, sweet aughts. Aughts. Can't believe it. Yeah. The aughts. The aughts. Zero zeros. Zero zeros. Fucking that our, our heyday. Yeah, fucking baby. In we most alive. Right. Being in being in middle being in no, I guess yeah, middle and high school. Kristen and college. Wig was on SNL. Oh. The first Transformers movie came out. Okay. Can't do all the things that happened in the two thousands because those okay. guys just take okay. a those are the two big ones, Transformers Those are the two and big Christmas ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for thanks for listening. We're a yeah. Rock Rising Production podcast. Should Stephen we keep Moskis. this? And then me, you know, the first rule of my rule social of media. Stevenson so. is you don't talk about that <laughs> at Wit Hag. Um, but uh, uh, we'll see you in the arts. Tina with a G. See you in the arts. Thanks. We love you. Yeah. Stay safe. Love ya. Bye. Oh yeah. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.